Hi, my name is Ben Armstrong. Hi, this is David Koch. My name is Thomas Maurer. Hi, I'm Donna Sarkar. Hi, my name is Lana Montgomery. Hi, I'm Seth Juarez. Hi, I'm Aaron Thomas. I'm Jess Dodson. Hi, I'm Rocky Heckman. Hi, I'm Sonia Cup. Hi, I'm Troy Hunt. Hello, this is Wally Mee. My name is Reed Purvis. Hi, I'm Lars Clean. Hi, my name is Alan Birchall. Hi, I'm Adam Fowler. Hi, I'm Scott Guthrie, and you're listening to the Need to Know Podcast. All the latest Microsoft Cloud news, as well as industry guest deep dive conversations. It's a Need to Know Podcast. All thanks to the CIA Ops patron community. The Need to Know Podcast. Catch us on Twitter and Facebook, N2K Podcast, and online at ciaops.podbean.com. Welcome along to the Need to Know Podcast. My name is Robert Crane, and you join me for episode 299 in March 2023. So, some usual housekeeping from me before we kick into the content. Uh, you can reach out to me at any point in time using the email director at ciaops.com. A video companion to this podcast will be found at my YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash at director CIA. On the Twitters, I'm at director CIA. Also on Mastodon, uh, twit.social forward slash at director CIA. Uh, there is the option if you wish to join a Teams shared channel that I have uh, set up. Again, there's no cost to do this. You might need to make a few changes to your uh, AD environment, uh, and that would allow you to uh, join that, get information and additional uh, compliment stuff that I do share there. So again, the link will be in the show notes for you to go and have a look at that. Don't forget the old merch store as well, and you can become a CIOPS patron to get information and updates on the Microsoft Cloud. Uh, on a daily basis at ciaopspatron.com. Now, with that said, there has been a rather large announcement, I suppose, from Microsoft a bit, uh, I suppose, expected. What Microsoft, in essence, have done is take ChatGPT and rolled it into their Microsoft 365 environment. Now, they're calling that Microsoft 365 Copilot, put a link to uh, these articles in show notes for you to go and have a look at. But in essence, um, what it is, is giving you the power, for example, to use ChatGPT to go and start creating documents, to do analysis of things like Excel. Uh, Again, it's really interesting how Microsoft has rolled this in right across its suite of products and done it very, very quickly. So it is somewhat unusual, I think, for Microsoft to really be pushing, I suppose, the uh, bleeding edge on this, but all credit to them that they have gone in and gone hard on all of this. So I'd suggest you go in and have a look at this. None of this is really available to most people and probably won't be available until the July timeframe, from my understanding. Now, there will be obviously some uh, previews and so on that you can sign up for, but we sort of expect GA around the July timeframe, which is the Worldwide Partner Conference generally. Uh, so we have uh, Ignite, uh, sorry, we have Build coming up shortly, which is the developers uh, conference that has basically been announced. So we expect more information about Copilot there, but I'd certainly encourage you to go in have a look at all the videos and all the uh, articles on it. So the one I'm looking at here uh, is called Introducing Microsoft 365 Copilot, Your Copilot for Work. Uh, another one which I thought was really good was, uh, you know, Introducing Microsoft 365 Copilot, A Whole New Way to Work. 
what I really like about this is they have broken it down by individual services like uh, Excel, Word, and so on. Uh, it's very interesting to me that the capabilities will roll into Teams. So one of the things that I was really, I suppose, trying to build inside my patron team was the ability for AI or whatever to be able to answer some basic questions, uh, provide some troubleshooting tips based on the content that was already in Teams. So to basically look through uh, previous posts and then come up with either a summary or an answer or a link to the topic that had been mentioned before. So it seems to me as though that Copilot is going to provide that capability. You embed that into Teams, you'll be able to ask it a question. It'll then take the content, all the chats that have happened inside Teams and make a nice summary and produce it for the person requesting it. So I think that's really powerful. That's known as business chat. I really liked the videos. I really liked uh, what I see coming with that. Can't get wait to get my hands on that. So I think that really is going to make things like Teams even better because not only does it provide search, but it provides a nice summary formatting uh, and is able to do that built on the uh, content that's already there. So again, make sure I'll make sure these articles are in the show notes. The last one I've got here for you uh, around that is, I suppose, the uh, news post from Microsoft. So a whole new way to work, it's called. Uh, again, uh, it has a presentation here which is also available on YouTube called The Future of Work with AI that I encourage you to watch. It's about 20 or 30 minutes. It does have a nice summary of everything that's happening. Uh, this last article here does have um, all the links to all the other uh, items here. So Copilot, Excel, Outlook, Word, uh, Meetings, PowerPoint uh, and so on. So I'd really encourage you to go in and have a look, especially this last one, to get a, a nice summary of what's going on. Now, the other big benefit that Copilot has provided is going to be this integration with um, the Power Platform. So I think this is one of the most exciting things because you're going to be able to craft or use the AI inside you know, the ChatGPT and all the services of Microsoft to build your own solution. So again, it has um, released. Now, what I'm really... I suppose focused on is the integration with the Power Virtual Agent. So the bot concept of asking questions. So again, as I talked about with Copilot in Teams, it would be really, really powerful to be able to incorporate that inside a Power Virtual Agent inside a team that you could ask a question of or you could ask for some knowledge and it would then go through the existing knowledge in Teams and maybe look at some uh, additional content around websites, FA cues and so on and then basically give you an answer so again it's really really interesting uh, how quickly microsoft has jumped on this has aimed to use it as a point of differentiation now the reality is we'll have to wait and see what impact it does have i mean there are a lot of people who are you know at one end of the scale saying it's an absolute game changer i think we just have to wait and see a little bit here because we've had a lot of technologies that have promised but sort of failed to deliver of late. So again, yes, I think it's revolutionary. I think it's making a big difference. Very interesting that Microsoft's leading the pack on this, really jumped in hard on it. Um, but we'll see, you know, obviously when it gets out there, gets into people's hands, what it's like, how people use it. But 
at the moment it certainly is uh, something that is very very positive so i encourage you to go and have a look at all the show notes read up about it and we should see it in your tenant probably i would suggest around the july uh, time frame watch out for any uh, early previews now another article I've got for you here is about configuring BitLocker using Intune settings catalog. So if you do, do use Intune, you do have the option to go and deploy temp, um, policies using templates. Now that generally is the older approach simply for the reason that those templates generally won't be updated, won't be enhanced and there is a limited set. So as you can appreciate, more and more settings and features are being added to uh, the Microsoft environment. Most of these will be uh, only available via the settings catalog. So the settings catalog allows you to search for a particular setting, add it to the policy, and that allows you to craft your own uh, policies rather than picking from a number of templates. So this will show you how to go in and set up a BitLocker, but you can certainly use that same concept for OneDrive and a range of other features. So generally best practice moving forward is going to be using the settings catalog rather than the templates inside uh, the Intune management there. Now another article I've got for you is announcing the support for the new Microsoft Store apps during uh, Windows Autopilot. Uh, Microsoft again has gone through this process of you know, changing the store to suit its newer environment. Uh, this is going to allow people to have far more control and uh, we've also seen the integration with things like Winget in there as well. So this article will show you how to go in and integrate with the new Microsoft Store. You can still use the older store, but again, the idea here is with uh, going forward, that best practice is going to be looking at the new Microsoft Store and the capabilities it provides. So if you want to be able to deploy apps and also remove apps, that's another really good thing that you can configure in this environment if you are you know, rolling out a, a bunch of new machines or configuring a bunch of new machines, you've got that capability. The store probably is the preferred way to deploy apps these days. It's going to allow updates and maintenance and so on. So go in, have a look at this article. I'll make sure that it is in the uh, show notes for you. Now, also we've had um, some updates on Stream on SharePoint. So we can look at now uh, playlists, offline viewing, and a whole range of more features. I really like what Stream can do, its capability, its integration with Search. Uh, let's see how it pans out uh, with Copilot and ChatGPT. But this is one of the big advantages of the Microsoft Space is the integration of video, text, search, uh, and so on. We're getting better analytics so we can see who's viewing our videos, uh, what sort of engagement they are getting. We're getting the speech to text translation as well, so we can do searches uh, on that. Uh, we've also got the ability to you know, include uh, embed codes and things to put in SharePoint pages. So uh, video is probably the best way to get your message across these days. Uh, so again, things like Stream have approved, they've moved their storage capabilities into uh, OneDrive and SharePoint, making it easier to manage for most people. So if you haven't looked at it, I would certainly recommend that you consider Stream as a really good mechanism for communication and getting information across to the organization. So we wouldn't have a news article without some uh, information about security. So an article here, XDR attack disruption in action, defending against a recent BEC attack. So Microsoft is generally very good here in uh, highlighting or documenting how its tools and technologies do prevent these sort of attacks. So this is a B 
business email compromise. So Microsoft is giving us an article here talking about how XDR that is incorporated in most Defender products provides that ability to look at the behaviours um, that happen once an, an email is clicked on or tries to do something in the background. So again, it's got some good articles down the bottom here about how to get started and also if you want to learn more about it. So I'll put that article in the show notes for you to go and have a look at. And again, another big advantage of using the Microsoft stack is that you get it, the ability for it to look across um, multiple services here. Now, the last one is um, a report from Gartner. So Microsoft is named a leader in the 2022 Gartner Magic Quadrant for endpoint protection platforms. Now, again, there's a lot of cynics out there around the Gartner and the Magic Quadrant and all that sort of stuff. Yep, totally agree. However, I would suggest that the real takeaway here is to note that Microsoft is, you know, in the preferred location in the top right-hand corner. So when you look at all the providers, it's not down uh, outside, you know, that environment. The idea here is that it is certainly, you know, up with leaders, if not leading the, the pack um, as well. So again, look at that article, read through it. Very good to confirm that Microsoft, again, is doing the right thing and investing in the technologies and, you know, is one of the leaders uh, in the space here. So again, I'll put the link in the show notes so you can go in and have a look at that in more detail. Now, let us turn our attention to probably one of the portals which is not really accessed or is probably given a back seat. Many people probably don't visit this regularly. So most people will be familiar with security.microsoft.com. So that's where you would go and set you know, threat policies, exchange policies, uh, defender for endpoint and so on. Now, you may not be familiar with the compliance portal, so that is at compliance.microsoft.com. Now, as we move into a more regulated world where requirements from, you know, um, industries and government are going to mandate that people, you know, look after the data uh, in a more granular form, this is where the compliance portal will come into view. Now, Microsoft's compliance solutions recently underwent a naming change and they are now under the banner known as Microsoft Purview. Okay, so again, protection style of the data is under a banner of Purview. But again, if you go to compliance.microsoft.com, you will be able to click through all the options here. So a quick tour of this uh, portal is going to give you uh, basically the ability to uh, go in and get a summary much like secure score over all of your compliance is going to give you a standard compliance score so that's again going to be a points based a percentage based system some of that is going to be a requirement for the user or the tenant to set up and the other will be microsoft we get a list of key actions and improvements here so you'll see that, for example, at the moment, the conceal information with lock screen is worth you know, an extra 27 points here. So you'll get the same sort of sum summary, but around the compliance of uh, the tenant. Now, some of these compliance options will require a premium uh, license, so please keep, keep that in mind um, as well. Now, across the top, we're gonna have the ability, obviously, to go in and you know improve our actions, our list of improvements. We've also got the ability here to uh, look at some solutions here. All right, things like auditing, improving data classification. We have the ability to have uh, assessments. Uh, 
All right, so we can go in and do data protection. We've got assessment templates, so this is gonna assess the compliance. We've got any alerts and alerts policies here in this uh, overview that we get at the, the top here. Now, one of the major things to consider when we're talking about compliance is what's known as data classification. So what we need to do with our data is we now need to go in and you know classify it as, for example, you know, public information, shareable, classified, um, secret, highly classified, and so on. Now, depending on the license that you have uh, available to you, you can train or learn these classifiers automatically. Typically, you need a P2 license to achieve that. You can still manually set up classifiers uh, with most P1 licenses, including uh, Microsoft 365 Business Premium. But it's largely all about understanding and classifying or tagging the data specifically and then taking action or applying policies uh, based on those uh, sort of tags or tags or classifications there. Now, one of the other things we can do in this environment today is we can actually connect, thanks to Microsoft 365, we can connect and classify non-Microsoft data here. So you might, for example, want to do something around your Twitter feeds or social media uh, and so on. So we can set that all up, manage that. We can also ingest uh, some of that material into our Microsoft 365 core compliance reasons. So let us say that you want to ingest your Twitter feeds, your corporate Twitter feeds into this. Uh, that is possible to be able to do that and keep that for compliance reasons uh, inside the Microsoft environment. So we've also got our alerts, so we can set up policies that generate um, all sorts of alerts here as to you know what's going on compliance-wise in our environment. We've got the good old reports here, so you can look at you know the data, the identity, and all that sort of stuff, the labels that were used uh, in the environment uh, if you want. And of course, we've got our policies here. So we've got alert policies, we've got retention and data DLP policies. So this is where you'll typically find policies that relate to individual data items, right? So in the security, we're typically applying a policy to a service. So things like Defender for Office 365, whereas in compliance, we're really talking about individual data items. And really, these are policies that we want to configure um, ourselves and they relate more to you know, how we want the data to be dealt with, how long do we want to retain it for, what security do we want around our uh, individual data items. In here, you can also go and set the permissions. So you can go in here and set up you know, who's got access, who can read the information, who can set uh, the labels and the classifications. We can do all that sort of stuff as well. We have a link here for trials. So this is where you would go in and add those, you know, a trial of those uh, third-party options if you want, all right? And we've also got a settings, uh, sorry, solutions catalog. So we can put in things like data lifestyle management, information protection, records management, um, privacy management, so on. So insider risk is another example of a policy that you can add on uh, if you don't have it with your licensing. Uh, now, we also have the capability in here for our audit. Now, the unified audit log does appear in security.microsoft.com, but it's also here in the Compliance Center if you want to use it. Uh, I would certainly recommend you know keeping that concept of uh, compliance and searching inside the compliance policy here. We've also got content search. So we content search allows you to look through your existing content 
for certain matches. So if you're looking for a certain email or a certain conversation in Teams or whatever, you can do that. The really good thing about content search is that when you create a content search, you can save it and rerun it over and over again. So let's say that you're looking uh, for information, you're doing maybe a quarterly check, you can set up a content search and uh, allow that to uh, run on a regular basis. We've also got our communications compliance. So this is typically around the Teams messaging. So we can see, you know, unfortunately employees could do things like, you know, uh, maybe profanity or bullying or those sort of things uh, inside Teams. We can then monitor and take actions on that. In here, you'll also find your DLP, your data loss prevention, once again, driven by policy. You'll need to go in and determine what items you want to check for at the boundary of the environment so you may typically want to scan and look for things like driver's license uh, tax file number uh, passport number and so on and then what actions do you want to take on those my advice generally is you want to if you have the capability to enable dlp which again is something included in Microsoft 365 Business Premium, is I would certainly configure that and put it into audit mode initially so that you can go in and make an assessment as to whether any information is leaking outside the organization. Now, of course, all of this is driven by policy. You need to create policies for the different services, so Exchange Online, SharePoint, OneDrive, Teams, and so on. So this basically determines how the information that you've uh, indicated, like a document with a tax file number, will be dealt with, whether the user is allowed to send it or it's blocked, or the user needs, for example, to um, you know put in a reason why they are sending it. We've got alerts in here. We've got endpoint DLP. So the idea here is DLP, data loss prevention, generally applies to the service in the cloud, so Exchange Online, Teams. But what about documents that are synchronized or stored locally? How do we deal with those and prevent those from leaving the organization? The older approach was to use Windows Information Protection, but Microsoft announced a few months ago that he's going to deprecate that in favor of endpoint DLP. Uh, again, you may need an initial license to enable some of this. So this is basically DLP applied uh, to devices. Once again, uh, it's largely around creating policies uh, for that, all right? Now, you also have the ability to have reports. You also have, have the ability to look at the activities, uh, what's happening when you set up your DLP policies. So in the Compliance Manager here, we've also got our e-discovery. So e-discovery is like content search, except once you've found information, you can put it on hold which means that a copy is saved so that it can be used say, for evidence without the user impacting that. So if the user, for example, has an email and then tries to purge it uh, using eDiscovery, we can not only find that information, but save it uh, for reference later. There are a number of, there are two different versions or two different levels. Uh, there is a standard one, which is typically, again, Business Premium E3, and there is a premium e-discovery, which has a number of additional uh, features in there, typically uh, requires uh, an advanced license there. All right, so again, e-discovery is really good for putting your finger on information across the whole organization. We've also got something here called uh, Data Lifecycle Management. Uh, again, part of this is the thinking of, well, you know, do we need to keep data forever? Uh, do we need to age it out or delete it after a certain period of time? Do we really need it after a certain uh, amount of regulatory requirement? 
We've got information protection. So again, this is things like Azure Information Protection where we label a document. We provide protection around it. So a document with a label uh, can have a retention period and also a protection period as to you know who's got access to the document. Once again, it's all driven by policy. Someone has to go in and you know, create the policy, then apply it to the data. So we find that inside here. Information barriers is the concept of separating uh, areas within a business from each other. Typically, we see this in banking and finance so that those two areas, although part of the same company, are separated and are not sharing you know, uh, information between them. That may give them commercial advantage. Insider risk is looking at you know, whether users in the environment are doing things that may indicate, for example, they're sending information or considering taking information outside the organization. Again, some videos in here, if you don't have the license, it will give you an idea of what that is. I think this is gonna be a, a greater part of many organizations is that, you know, what sort of risk, uh, how do we minimize the risk from an insider copying and you know, taking all our information outside. The insider risk again is typically a premium add-on to uh, most licenses. In here we have records management as well. So we can treat an item as a record. A record basically has a concept of you know um, a life cycle. It's created, it's used, it's then retired or removed or deleted from the process. So think very much law uh, organizations have this concept of a record. Now a record could be multiple documents. So let's say uh, it's a case, the case moves along as a record, all those you know, Excel, Word, PDF documents are basically put together in a folder style uh, record that is then moved through its life cycle. We've got uh, privacy risk management here. So think GDPR. So users and individuals have the right under GDPR to request their information, to view the information that organization has. Again, you can easily recover that, manage that uh, inside the Microsoft 365 environment here. And we also have the subject rights request. So a user in GDPR can generally ask the organization to receive or to have a report of all the information that the organization has on them. Uh, and then potentially remove that uh, from the environment. So certainly provides that capability built in the system. A lot of people perhaps aren't subject to GDPR. However, the caveat to think about here is that there is a good chance that some form of GDPR will make its way across all organizations or all governments because it's much easier to take an existing working standard than recreate your own. So uh, I think GDPR, uh, will be taken as sort of the baseline. Many organizations, many countries will use that as their base and make slight modifications from there. So if you haven't looked at and considered uh, the impact of GDPR, I certainly encourage you to do that, even if you are in a region that isn't subject to GDPR, uh, because that's probably a very good baseline to think about. Now down the bottom here, we've got some settings. We can go and look at device onboarding, co-authoring with sensitivity labels, uh, the compliance manager, and an information protection scanner. So. Microsoft has a lot of technologies in here that can auto-scan, auto-classify information and data for you, but remember, you will need to have the appropriate license. And then down the bottom here, we do have additional resources that will allow you to move through those pretty quickly. So again, this is the Compliance Manager. All right, now Microsoft's branding around this is Purview. You'll find this at compliance.microsoft.com. 
most people will probably start with this environment uh, with DLP, data loss prevention, setting that for their exchange, their teams, and their SharePoint. They'll probably then grow that into endpoint DLP, uh, and then from there look at labeling and um, you know things like data classifications. Now, the idea here is that not to ignore this, I would suggest that at a minimum, when you do set up a tenant that includes these sort of features, you enable things like DLP immediately, but put them into audit mode. So you can go back and easily view uh, all those settings and review them and then make you know informed policy decisions that actually take uh, actions on that. All right, so with that, um, that is the Compliance Manager or Microsoft Purview. Remember, some of those features will require premium licenses, but I think a lot of it will be driven by policy and will need people to make decisions and set up these policies and manage and monitor those uh, going forward. So if you haven't looked at that, compliance.microsoft.com, go in, have a look, have a play. I'd suggest you start with uh, DLP that's available with Microsoft 365 uh, Business premium put into audit mode and see what basically turns up all right so with that thank you very much for listening to this episode don't forget that you can always visit information that i do post regularly on my blog blog.ciaapps.com don't forget my github repo github.com forward slash director cia the youtube companion will be published up on my youtube channel Uh, don't forget to go back and listen to any previous episodes of the Need to Know podcast. Always appreciate anybody's feedback and suggestion for topics they'd like to see. My online training courses are at ciapsacademy.com. And of course, thanks to all the patrons who do make this free content available on a regular basis by signing up to a subscription. You can do that at ciaopspatron.com. And with that, I will thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Need to Know podcast. You have been listening to the Need to Know podcast from CIA Ops. For training on using technologies like SharePoint Online or Microsoft 365, visit www.ciaopsacademy.com. By purchasing from the selections available, you'll be directly supporting this podcast. To provide feedback on this episode, visit www.ciaops.com contact.